You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Hey, And Jim. How's it going? How is it going indeed? Guys, we're back again for another episode. I'm very excited. This is actually technically our 10th episode, even though it is episode number nine. A <laughs> fact that will always haunt us till the end of days. <laughs> 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 but next week we'll celebrate for having 10 episodes 10 numbered episodes and uh, we're going to celebrate hopefully with a little special guest so uh don't want to say too much because i am an eclipse cast solar and i don't want to curse myself for eternity so <laughs> we may have a cool guest next week we'll let you know when we get there but first off this week let's talk about the news News this week, kind of thin, but we did hear on the uh, Monday meeting notes when those came out, saw in the list of projects, current projects, that Heirs of the Shogunate is finally in the first draft stage. Now, Heirs of the Shogunate, this is the book that was uh, sort of put together a part of the kickstarter process for dragon blood dragon blooded what fire has wrought you know i always every time i say that the name of that book on the deliberative i usually say what fire hath wrought as if it's like in king james English <laughs> i've noticed that every time <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i'm like <laughs> yeah it took like a titanic effort just then for me to say what fire has wrought but anyway <laughs> so this is this book is a lot of collection of different things we've got new expanded information on things like the forest witches and all the other like little starting places for dragon blooded characters and new details on the war in the west and all kinds of other things that were a part of these stretch goals as we went through the dragon blooded kickstarter and so i'm excited to see this book has entered the first draft stage so we now have three books i suppose in development that are on the list we got the realm coming out the Dragon-Blooded book coming out. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry, four, because we got the Lunars and now uh, Heirs of the Shogunate. So we got a lot of Exalted books in the pipe, and that feels good. Oh, feels we got good the um, Compass of Directions, too, right? Well, they have announced that, but it hasn't entered first draft stage or anything like that. So, like, the Exigence book and the and the Eight Directions, those are those are planned books that are coming, but they haven't started the actual work yet. They'll be I mean, out. I'm sure they're doing they something. Will yeah, be they'll, they're, they'll be out. But we've got four in development on the list so that's amazing can't wait to see those well before we get into our big discussion this week why don't we talk just a little bit about how your week in creation has been going jim why don't we start with you what have you been doing in creation this week well of course we've been doing the play by post uh been working there glad to see that that's picked back up um that's right finished our first combat yeah yeah missed that character i mean it it was like what was it a year I think February yeah. was like February 2017 was one of my last posts right and before we re- so I had brought it back to life get familiar with this character again and man I love this character I mean it's just tell, a, a really cool tell everybody character. about your weapon of choice because oh, I think um, that's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> basically I every other character that I've ever had 
I mean, I just naturally go to the Diaclave because it's, I mean, who doesn't want to have a big, right. massive, like, Final Fantasy VII sword or something? Exactly. Um, so that was my weapon of choice. But then I kind of wanted to change it up a little bit. So I was looking through the book and I'm like, well, do I want to do a club? Do I want to do a chain? What do I want? So in order to change it up, uh, this character, he basically has a bunch of ships and one particular four-dot artifact um, ship that he resides on. So he's got a three-dot artifact that is an anchor to an a ancient uh, first-age vessel uh, that he uses as a massive blunt weapon. And uh, That is awesome. <laughs> so he smashes people in the head with this anchor. But it's a mm. massive freaking anchor. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing is, is um, it's you know it is an anchor, so it's heavy. So the evocation right. is the uh, the person who um, attunes this weapon. It's it it basically functions as a heavy weapon. Um, right. So uh, for terms uh, for purposes of accuracy bonus and uh, parrying and the, you know stuff like that. But right. eventually, um, when you get Essence 2, you will unlock a, a um, what is it, an upgrade for this, which will make it function as a medium weapon. So your uh, weapon accuracy will go up and, you know, your parry bon- defense bonuses and stuff like that. So, but yeah. meanwhile, if you set it down, it's still a gigantic Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to everyone else, it's still, it still weighs, like, you know, hundreds of pounds. So right. it's not quite like Thor's hammer. I mean, if someone is strong enough, they can move it, but you know, it's not right. going to move it easily. Right. Cause you're certainly not worthy to be the, uh, the, the ruler of Asgard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you saying that Asgardians are cooler than exalted solar eclipse cast? Oh, no way. Okay. No, I, I am worthy. I think, I think the exalted could crush him. <laughs> yeah so that's cool it's good did you have anything else anything else going on uh we got we've got some uh character creation stuff going on at the house i know we mentioned um a uh, a game i'm going to do with my kids but i'm i want to play in the northwest <laughs> or the north yeah nice. the northwest i want to play Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that's what's going to happen. I have to. Yeah, uh, right, right. They're going to pick what they want to play, and I'm going to. I'm fine with it. Um, I'm trying to like plant the seeds, you know, but right. I don't want to force them <laughs> into playing somewhere that I want to play. I want them to enjoy it, and I want them to have a good experience playing Exalted. We've played sure. Pathfinder in the past and stuff like that, and you know. What I always like to say is Exalted is the role-playing game that a Pathfinder fan plays when he grows up. So That's right. the kids are gotten to the age where kids are growing up. They can right. play some Exalted. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Very cool. Well, we've uh we we're still kind of in the planning stages of our own game at our house too, and so I, I need to get my daughters back to making some characters on that. I, I end up doing a lot of stuff for the show rather than giving them opportunities to make characters and stuff. So I need to let them get in on that a little bit more. But yeah, we've been having fun on the board. It is a bit of a process 
creating a character with your kids, you know, like, yeah. cause they're like, well, what about this? And you're like, Oh, well this, you know, it's not as bad with my 15 year old. I basically like gave him the book. And, uh, yeah. So I'm explaining to uh, my wife, uh, what exalted is. She's like, what, what the heck is this podcast y'all talking about? And I'm like, well, <laughs> basically. And then my son pipes up and he's like, well, here's the thing. And he's like going through it. And he's like, there's these solars, you know, and they were locked away in this jade prison and the sidereals. And I'm like, Wow, he, he read the book. Um, <laughs> like, you know. Right. You get Christmas this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I I have a real hard time getting my thirteen year old girl and my eleven year old girl to, you know, here's a seven hundred page book, darlings. <laughs> go, go read it so you'll know what you're talking about when we can play this game. You know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, a little different there, but what about you, Chuck? How's your week been going? Well, we are entering a period of about four weeks where we're not going to be able to play because uh, various people are going to be in and out on vacation and for other stuff. So it's a it's a little dry over here. We haven't <laughs> uh, we haven't had much exalted. We played a Delta Green one shot, and that was a lot of fun. But I've been um, most of the guys that I play with are guys that work in the same organization as me so we have this messenger uh service we use on the computer and one of my guys the one playing stall the uh twilight cast sorcerer is always just like bro i thought of this cool spell that like does this and like oh man what if you know can this craft do this and he's just every day he's hitting me up with stuff that he's wanting to create and i'm like this is so awesome. I I wish all of my characters were this invested. But he's also creating so much, I feel a little bad for him because he's just... He's created like six months worth of stuff he'd have mm. to do in-game. Wow. And he's just <laughs> not going to be able to do everything he wants in the right. time frame that he's creating it in. Which is... Sure. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But I think when we get to the table, he's going to be like, oh man, this is actually a lot more time intensive and you know labor intensive in game than i thought it would be right um but i want to that's cool that you have a player that's so you know gung-ho like that he i i I kid you not man he's almost overwhelming me with how much stuff he's (laughs) wanting to create and like i have to be like hmm i'm not sure that that's a terrestrial circle spell and i'll like (laughs) pop over to the onyx path forum and be like um guys and i just like paste it there and there you know i'm getting feedback and then i'll email him back and he's like oh i see so what about this and i'm like crap i don't know and i have to pop back over (laughs) and it's really good because it's forcing me to um you know we'd said uh during one of our first challenges when we were creating spells you'd asked us was it fun or was it hard right and i said that uh it was very difficult because i just never had to create stuff well this guy is forcing me to do that at the rapid rate and well that's good it, it is good so i think that i certainly don't have a great grasp on balance uh you know that aspect of it but in terms of just uh coming up with the raw ideas he's really forcing me and really helping me improve in that area 
which is cool. It's, yeah, it's very cool. It's like that workout awesome. partner that's always like psyched about going to the <laughs> yeah. gym. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> Come on, bro, let's go lift some weights, man. Come on, let's go. Like, well, I was gonna like eat a sandwich and take a nap, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's very cool. Well, it, you know, sounds to me like you need to get him doing some storytelling at some point. Well, he would. Uh, I don't really know how do much well I want to. I don't know how much I want to say on the podcast, but I don't think he listens. He's the one. <laughs> He's the one that he's keeps... He's but not enough to listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, here's what's funny. None of my players listen to this podcast, but guess who does? My sister. Oh, wow. Who, who does not know what Exalted is, probably doesn't even know what Dungeons & Dragons is, but she's like, oh, I'll listen to your podcast. Oh, Corey, he was my friend too. I'm like, so my sister... So now your sister is just no the voice game You just wrecked it though. I was gonna say I was gonna say tell her I said what's up, but now you've said that you know she knows me, so that doesn't make any sense anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, he's the one that keeps like. In fact, he said it this week because we weren't gonna play because we were missing someone, and then that person was like, "Oh, I still might be able to play," and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, what do you guys want to do if he can't?" And he was like, I can bring over that Black Crusade book if you want. And I was like, mm, how do I put this down in the most, like, <laughs> ultimate way possible, but while still being nice? <laughs> like, listen, Stahl, we will literally never allow that in my home. I'm just going to put that out there now. That book will not cross the threshold of my house. <laughs> like salt in the doorways. Yeah. <laughs> Call the Winchesters. <laughs> oh man, you know it's not a it's not a bad game, but it is uh, that's very... not what you private messaged me on the forums, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> you were very explicit in is... how you felt about it. The book is attractively presented. All of the Warhammer but, stuff is. It all oh, looks yeah, so good. It's and gorgeous. Then you're it like, makes oh, you think this oh. is just kind of garbage. Yeah, you're like, I want to play this so bad, and then no, no, avoid that that temptation. Mm. <laughs> well, we need to get on into our discussion for this week, and this one is a little bit of a throwback to several weeks ago, when a Reddit user by the name of Twin Vader. I have no idea what that's referencing. Maybe uh, like Darth Vader had a twin. He absorbed him in utero, so now he has the strength of a full-grown man and a baby. <laughs> but parts parts of the twin are still sticking out in various places, so he's got to cover it up with a big black suit. <laughs> I'm very certain that that's what's actually happening underneath. <laughs> All right, no more drinking before the podcast. Let's go. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so Twin Vader, he asked us way back in the day. I'd be interested to know what you guys think of the call. That's the C A U L, the call, and the kinds of campaigns you could run with that setting. I read about it in the email sent to backers with a preview of the Realm Companion book, and I think it would be an ideal setting to unleash groups of players that tend to skew Murder Hobo. So, thank you, Twin Vader. We did listen to you, even way back when you first wrote that, and we have had that on the back burner, and now we actually, this week, 
want to spend some time talking about the call because it is a very interesting location. For those of you who aren't aware, the call is a new sort of small continent slash island that has been added to the world map down in the southwest of creation. And the story goes that it sort of popped out of existence for a while and now it's popped back into existence. And so this location was detailed to backers of the dragon-blooded uh, What Fire Has Wrought book. <laughs> uh, back in one of the updates, sort of midway through the Kickstarter, they gave a preview of this section of the Realm book. So this is actually a preview from the Realm, which is currently in development, to be released, I would assume, very shortly after the dragon-blooded book comes out in PDF form. Which hopefully is next month. Oh, yes. I can't and, wait for it. Ugh. James Bell did say it was just a you know a couple short weeks away, so hopefully we will have that. Oh, in did our he really? Little fingers soon. He said something like that. I I I added the word short, and I may have changed the word few to couple. <laughs> <laughs> so everything you said was a lie. Got it. Got it. Well, no, no, it had the nugget of truth in it. There is a book coming. So there you go. <laughs> so the call. So th this is a very, very interesting place. It, to me, it feels very unique in creation uh, from all of the other stuff that we've been told before. And creation, you know, as all of you know, has some very, very interesting, amazing, spectacular, supernatural, cool places. But the call has some, some unique kind of elements. And... It, it, who wants to get started? We, we just need to kind of go through and explain what the call is to folks who haven't had the opportunity to read that preview of the realm. Uh, just kind of, I guess we could just kind of add to one another's description here, but let's try to put it together. So I've said it's this island in the Southwest. Uh, tell us about the, the shrine cities. What, what's going on on this, on this island continent? All right. From what I gather from the uh, excerpt, and these, the hints that the core gives and the, the hints that are in the dragon-blooded uh, manuscript, basically this is the birthplace of the dragon blood. It's like their point of origin right. was this island. And um, I don't know, there's some gaps in the transition period, but basically this island exists and there's these six different shrines which a dragon blood could go through the what is called the pilgrimage and from what we have learned from the from the excerpt is that if a dragon blood goes through all six of the different shrines in the pilgrimage and if, I'm guessing there's some kind of test involved in each one it does describe uh, a little bit about the test of the earth shrine the earth one right um but Basically, that dragon blood is guaranteed that their next, I guess their next child would be a guaranteed to be an exalt. And right. I think that their their bloodline or the bloodline or what, whatever you say, the, the power of that exalt will be at its highest to that child. So right, like sort of like the potency. Right. Of the blood, yeah, that's the I word guess. I'm looking right. for. Um, the source. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically if, if you have a waning potency, uh, in your bloodline, you would want to do a pilgrimage like this to like kind of bolster you back up because right now, right. I mean, 
a lot of people think of solar versus uh, dragon blood, but no one really thinks about that there is a power vacuum in the dragon blood realm right now. And all these houses are kind of, you know, conspiring against each other. So if you have a right. weak bloodline, you are not in a good position. Um, you don't have any advantage to any other of the houses. Hey, so just to be clear, by weak bloodline, you mean that over the past, I don't know, however many childbirths, that the per- that the percentage of those that have right. exalted has fallen, right? Yes, it's correct. Okay. Their, their children right. either aren't exalting or not as strong as they were when they were first created, is what I'm it's gathering. It's like a generation-to-generation generation shift also, so... You know, generation over generation, the number is falling. And, and we've been told that the Venif house is one of those that has very sort of thin blood right now. And so they're interested in getting on this, the, the call on this, this island and going through these shrine cities. Now, now Jim mentioned that there were six uh, shrine cities. There are, but one of them is special. One of them is the end city. That's the, the last city, Feng Yi. This is where if you have gone through the other five, you open the way somehow for this blessing to come to you. And so it stands sort of different from the other five because the other five are aligned to the, the five different elements of the dragon blood, right? Or the five poles, right? So, right. so the first the first shrine city is the as as we said, the one of Earth. And from there, we don't know what order they go in next, but supposedly at each stop, there is some sort of test of that element. And by passing all of them, you're able then to open that way at the end. But it's not just something that Dragonbloods, it's not just the pilgrimage that Dragonbloods can take and get a blessing. It's also hinted that there is a blessing for a lunar who completes this pilgrimage as well. And the reason why this island, this continent is special to both the Lunars and the Dragonbloods is because if you know your exalted history, you will know that Gaia, uh, the, the primordial whose body essentially makes up the world, the, the surface of the world, and Gaia is married to Luna, the goddess of the moon. And so the two of them sort of walked together here in this island called the Call. And apparently this is where uh, the Dragonbloods, as, as Jim said, sort of came from. I mean, because we know the Dragonbloods are blessed of the elemental dragons and the elemental dragons are sort of the component souls of Gaia, just like all primordials, or I guess now we're in third edition, we have to call them what the enemies of the gods. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense though when you're talking about Gaia. But, um, but yeah, each, each one of the primordial beings has, the, has these component souls or third circle demons or whatever you want to call them that make up their, their uh, oversoul. And so uh, Gaia plus Luna equals dragon blooded plus Lunars. And so both of them have a stake in this place. And we don't really know what will happen if the Lunars get through all the cities and get to the ends. Apparently something... And currently right it, now the Lunars have control of four shrines or four or is it five? Well, they have the last city, Fingy, and four of the yeah. Shrine Cities. Yeah, so they have yeah. almost complete control of the of the area. Right, and only the Dragon the Dragonbloods only um, control the Earth Shrine, which is a port city at the very edge of this land called Foxy on the Call, or Foxy on the Call, or <laughs> I think we'll stick with, or maybe it's maybe it's Fashai. 
Or actually, you know, last last week, uh, Charles, didn't you say anything with an AI? It's uh, it makes the A sound. No, A I T H. Don't misquote me. <laughs> so yeah, Fox Eye on the call, and so yeah, so a very very interesting place. So just just kind of building out the story of this place and how it's structured you do have this amazing potential for stories that involve lunars versus dragon bloods because the story kind of everywhere else in creation tends to be you know solars versus dragon bloods or whatnot but here these two these two exalt types are very much put at odds with one another in ways that they aren't as much in other other parts of the world so a lot of a lot of opportunity for good lunar stories here. A lot of opportunity for yeah. It seems good now that stories. the lunars have a foothold not only in the northeast, but now they have a foothold in the southwest. So, right from you know both sides of creation, I guess that makes sense because they were pushed pushed out towards the right. edge. So just thinking about this this really interesting adventure location, you know, all we have described so far is this Earth Shrine City, and it's almost like a Venice. The earth of the mm. of the of the ground is like blessed or holy in some way, and so no one is really allowed to touch it. Buildings aren't allowed to be built in it, and so all the buildings are built up on these stilts, and the whole city is kind of you know up above the ground. And they said that the ground is has these magical properties that if you bury something in the earth there, it will essentially like endure forever or something, and so the only part of the city that is in contact with the ground is the earth shrine itself. And those who go down on it to test to see if they're worthy to take the pilgrimage, they say that like time sort of can stop for them there. Yeah. And there's all this weird stuff about, you know, maybe a person standing down there for months or something. And if hunger doesn't kill them, you know, maybe they're worthy. Others can go down. That sounds literally terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, they even said some of them, you know, like a, a, a one time person stepped foot on there and just like immediately wasted into dust, you know, oh. like so time <laughs> has like freaky, um, freaky flow there down by the old earth shrine. Well, but, and I guess that opens up the question of what really determines if someone is worthy. I mean, if your family's bloodline is waning, does that kind of assume that you're not worthy well, like, they make so this you really... never really know, and that just like scares the crap out of me. Right, and but they have a they have a really strange thing that they say about that in the in the uh, the segment from the realm, where it talks about how it used to be the Empress, the Scarlet Empress, who kind of decided if somebody were worthy or not, and then they say now that it now that she's gone, it's the deliberative that decides. And I'm like, I don't remember deciding if anybody was worthy for the pilgrimage. I mean, do you guys remember deciding that? You know what this you know what this is, Corey? This is um this is the two statues from the never ending story. Yeah. Yeah. It has that feel, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Let, lest I remind you all, that was a really scary part of that movie. It really was. <laughs> Most people run away screaming (laughs) right so uh so i don't know what the mechanism was for that you know if just like a little you know empress is sitting there all in her like throne and it's like empress i'm sorry you have a call from fax eye on the call uh there's a person at the shrine like all right put him through (laughs) 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 like how does that work you know does she just like just an exchange for favors political favors right 
Yeah, but how does she like activate it and give the go ahead? I mean, it, it it seems more supernatural than most of the kind of mechanisms that we see throughout mm. the rest of creation. I, I guess that's one reason why I got this like different, weird vibe from reading this this write up is because some of these things just don't they don't really add up too much. Like, how did the Empress know? Or you know, how, why does time flow differently? And is, how is she involved in that? And you know, so lots of questions there. But but one question that I thought would be fun to talk about is, you know, so far all we know is the Earth Shrine. We've had that described to us, but we haven't had any of the other shrine cities described to us. So if you could design one of the shrine cities, which one would you want to design? Which element? And what are some ideas that you've had? Who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. I would hands down do the city of air. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know, I just, when, when I, when you ask that question, right. And I was thinking, okay, what of the other four elements would I want to do? My mind went back to this fantasy series that you turned me on to a long time ago called oh, the Death I know Gate where Cycle. You're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah the exactly. Death Gate. Death and Gate. Yeah, it's so good. I just, I loved. Well, first off, I love that whole series. It's so good. Oh, Go it's, read it. It's, it's great. Yes, definitely. It's probably the best seven books ever written in all time. Um, mm. and, oh, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I had a couple different thoughts. I really like a lot of this. You know, I was perusing through the inspirational art thread the other day. And a lot of the pictures are of like floating cities or stuff like that, or chunks of rock mm. connected by bridges that are just suspended over creation, mm. which very is Avatar really like. cool. And that was very reminiscent of Dragonwing, the first book in the Deathgate yes. cycle, which yes. was really awesome. Um, but then I also thought it would be cool if instead of it being literal ground and stuff if people were more shaping clouds and they were kind of <laughs> freezing them so it's like these um colossal ice palaces in the hearts of clouds and stuff i thought that would be pretty hmm. neat if you haven't watched the new uh my little pony friendship is magic i feel like you'd find a good home there <laughs> well this t <laughs> this took a real turn <laughs> Uh, yeah, thought back to the death gate cycle and my little pony. I'm sorry, man. It's just what you described completely reminded me of that. Uh, I think you'd be very happy with Princess Cadence at the uh, uh, <laughs> the Crystal Palace. But uh, no, I, 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 I may be getting some of those this, proper nouns incorrect. I don't know why, but when we talked about the different directions the other week, I spoke about the northeast and like these dead corpses of these mammoth trees that were basically just ice and you know i thought about these ice fortresses in the sky and stuff i don't maybe i'm just on like an ice palace kick lately or something <laughs> but no, that just that, instantly popped into my mind right sounds cool i mean it does sound cool uh i i would definitely think that that would be a very interesting adventure location so uh, pretty much any of those things that you mentioned, the floating rocks held together by these strings of bridges and whatnot, or floating castle kind of thing, or My Little Pony. E any one of those <laughs> would be, would be quite jerk. awesome. <laughs> oh. Oh, what about you, Jim? What is your city? Wh which city would you pick? Well, 
I picked the water city. Okay. Said the guy with the anchor. <laughs> <laughs> well, true. I knew he Charles like was either going to go air or wood because he loved the wood, you know, and he mm-hmm. plays out in the oh, tree areas, the East, yeah. and right. and he had an air aspect, dragon blood, and well, you took fire, so. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert! <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> so yeah. So what's I, your water city look like? Well, there's a couple of things I would think about if I was designing a water city. Do you want it to be on land like floating on water or a series of islands or would you want to like put it down in the water like as a sunken Mm. type city um so there's a couple of different avenues you could go there i mean if you want it to resemble the west then it's going to be several like islands like maybe small islands with like these bridges going across but they kind of did that with the earth city with with it being built on stilts and stuff so right. I don't know. I mean, there there's a lot of potential there. Um, but right now the lunars run it, so uh get those dragon bloods out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Dude, everyone, I'm just excited that, that, that we talk about that there's a place where the lunars are in charge. Like Yes. Uh, That's very cool. So I'll I'll talk about that yeah. later. But yeah, I yeah. mean so probably a series of islands connected between with like these these bridges or i mean if you wanted to i don't know how much they want to ramp this up because it's got this real supernatural feel to this place and right i mean who knows what they're going to do with this um right well and they may actually just leave it up to us to be honest i mean they've done that before you tease you give like one you give one piece of the puzzle yeah and then you tell everybody to just go figure the rest out for yourself and i actually kind of like that yeah with like to be honest like so. like the south they give us charoscaro they tell us a little bit about jim but when you look at the map those are like little tiny it's dots big. on yeah. this massive it's big, big thing it's like right i could do anything with this so if i were designing i mean i'm not saying this is how they're gonna do if they do sure it. But sure. if I were to design it, yeah, it would probably be a series of like, um, of really like islands that are like, they look like the volcanic, you know, like really tall peaks and mm-hmm. maybe like, um, a ring of them in the middle that are connected by these interweaving bridges, like at various levels. And, uh, okay. but what does that have to do with water? So the actual, um shrine point would probably be in this circle of islands like immersed in the water and if you're worthy you would be able to go in there and not drown um right but if you weren't then you know you'd be called a witch or something i don't know because you'd be floating (laughs) (laughs) but what else floats yeah (laughs) very small pebbles yes Uh, well that's cool yeah i i think either of those things could work uh you mentioned you know just being like at the bottom of a body of water like an inland lake or even something on the coast i mean that that could work too but yeah i like the uh the sort of the bridges surrounding the middle it's very similar to kind of well i guess all of this is all of what we've said so far is a little bit similar to kind of what i was thinking too with the fire city uh because i i just fire is my favorite of the five elements and i you know immediately gravitate to that and 
of course, you know, what everybody I think would immediately kind of think about when they think of that is like some sort of volcano, you know, dormant volcano, fire in the caldera, all this kind of stuff. But I, I would think that we would want to do something different than that. And uh, if I were to design it, I think what would be very cool is have this, this deep crevasse in the earth that goes down just so is deep. That and a I, yeah, some people say crevasse okay. when they're talking about you know like on a glacier, on a glacier, uh, they <laughs> glacier, <laughs> glacier, glacier. <Yeah>. glacier. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know I'm thinking about the uh, from the movie, the time machine, the newer one that they did probably 15 years ago or something like that. These people who built all of their homes on the side of this cliff. Uh, I'm thinking of, of that kind of imagery. So you've got this this crevasse that goes like super deep down and there's light at the bottom, like a magma type light, right? So there's fire somewhere down below and it's just like lighting this, this massive canyon, right? With these steep walls. But people have built homes all along the sides of the cliff face. And when a pilgrim comes through in order to be tested at the shrine, they have to be like lowered down deep into the crevasse like like far below where all of the uh living quarters and things are you know down into like this very scary sort of place where your life is definitely on the line and then you know if you're if you're found worthy you're brought back up you know i don't know maybe like the om nam shibai cage from uh from indiana jones the temple of doom you know <laughs> call him all like you like lower this thing like down but great um, now i'm gonna have nightmares thanks <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if you look at that heart ripping out scene nowadays, though, and it's just like, oh, really? But, uh, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't age well. But but anyway, yeah. So I was thinking something like that for the fire city. But yeah, make each one of these just like this big test. I mean, certainly that Earth Shrine is a test. You know, stepping down into you know potential timelessness. It's almost like drinking from the chalice in in the other Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade. You know, like are are you about to turn to dust when you drink this, or you know, are you going to you going to live forever? Like what's what's going to happen? Great. Now I'm going to have two sets of nightmares tonight. <laughs> I need. Let's see. We need a nightmare from uh, the Crystal Skull. Oh yes, just watching the movie itself is a nightmare. Great. Now I'm going to have three nightmares tonight. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember having to sit through that at the theater. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So since this whole land, I mean, so you know, lots of adventure potential here. This whole land is just chock full of adventure potential. So what kind of stories would you want to tell here? Charles, what kind of stories would you do? Well, so I know that you and Jim are probably going to talk about lunar facing stories spoiler. which is cool i'm not a spoiler i'm not Teaser gonna alert. i'm not gonna detract <laughs> from that um but to me i instantly thought this is the chance to play a dragon blood in like a jurassic park kind of movie where you oh. show up to this wild island which yes. just disappeared literally no one knows anything about it and you're like huh let's go check this thing out and then all of a sudden there are these regular dudes and dudettes who turn into uh you know tyrant lizards or giant Ooh. half man half savage panda bears that rip you in half like or, that's scary or, 
adorable chipmunks. <laughs> sharp teeth. Oh man, goodness gracious! Oh. They're overbites are so cute. Um, but no, I I think that's just because I really like horror games, anyways. So when I see something that's as blank as that. I think I kind of default into, ooh, what would make like the scariest way to play that? Right. And I think yeah. the obvious answer is you're a young dragon blood sent <laughs> out by your house to complete this pilgrimage that might kill you even if nothing else does. Right. Oh, and then there's some monster in the night in the jungle that keeps eating your friends. <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's actually a very, very dang good idea. I think that that would be like maybe one of the coolest stories for dragon bloods that i've heard of in a while so uh yes. you get Fist six pump. deliberative points for that Woo! one wait are we, is that something we're gonna track now no oh sorry uh, just lost Jim, no i refuse to bend to such arcane and eldritch point systems <laughs> that is awesome though and i i think you will keep that one on the burner in case we need another uh you know for the next wild shape or something although we want to tie all the wild shapes together but hey we're in the south and that island's in the southwest so i'm just saying <laughs> um it's just right yeah. around the corner i mean we can walk yeah. that. Just, just a hop, skip, and a 3,000-mile yeah. jump. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a, that's a oh, very I good I idea. love when, like, you get the backstories from the new players, and they're like, yeah, I was living up in the north, and then I came down to the south, and you're like, dude, <laughs> that's really, really far away. You have to have a really good reason why you went that far. Uh, I was fleeing communism. <laughs> uh yeah well you know you, you did you did sort of uh tease the fact that that i would be into a, a lunar story and and uh and i would actually actually i think that it would be fun to do here because you have so many beast men on the island yes you've got lunars and you've got dragon bloods but also i think that this island is going to be just totally overrun with beastmen tribes. Hey, you know? I have to ask. I'm not really sure what beastmen are. They're half man okay. and they're, half beast. Yeah, it, it's like they're like Thundercats, okay? I mean, a lot of but times we is, think of the Thundercats as lunars. From lunars. Are they just stuck because, in the halvesies thing all the time? Yep. Right, yeah. I mean, uh, it's they, they're mutated by the wild is essentially what it is. And those wild mutations often take the form of animalistic characteristics from animals local to that part of the world right so if you were they can also be down the in the spawn south of a lunar right exactly yeah so my spider lunar remember he was always like impregnating women with his spider children and trying to create like this race of spider people yeah it was some of it was pretty dark <laughs> because they did not live through it but um yeah so i just i think beastmen are super cool uh, and I would want to, you know, a lot of times I feel like with most chronicles, most stories that you tell in Exalted, taking the bestial type mutations, which are so cool when you're reading through that section, that merit section of the book, and you see all these different mutations and whatnot. And back, especially in second edition, where a lot of the uh, source books had new mutations, right? It's like just this growing catalog of these amazing mutations. 
and I want to play with them so bad, but you don't want to be the one guy in the party who's got like, you know, cat ears or anything, <laughs> or like a tail, because everybody's like, oh, okay, okay, everybody else looks normal, but you're a furry over here, so like, like, what's going on, right? So I feel like The Call is one of those places where you could play like a whole game of like Beastmen type characters. Well, yeah, because the Lunars wanna... are so open about that there, right? So it assumes right. that then the Beastmen would just be out in the open too and in large exactly. number yeah exactly and so and i'm not saying that you would have to play you know i'm not i'm not advocating to play like a Beastmen uh, mortals game although you could but i think it would even be cool to have like some solars that exalted among the Beastmen tribes yeah, of the call cool. right so you you here you are with your you know he-man slash superman level of power but you also you know look like panthro and i think that that (laughs) boom i ruined your example eat it (laughs) oh man what would what would a chipmunk beast man look like (laughs) he'd be like he'd be like a bum living under your house like slowly making your porch like collapse I do not want Shipmunk Beastmen living nearby. It's, all of a sudden, that's actually pretty terrifying. Like you, you go out to your car in the morning. You're like checking to see if he's there. Like, but, um, oh, jump scare city. Yeah, no kidding. What about you, Jim? What kind of stories would you want to tell? Well, of course, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like to to deal with the lunars here, but this it seems like. This is almost like the blessed isle for the lunars. Like they are in yeah. control over here. Like they run right. the show. I mean, yeah, you got that one city over there on the, uh, you know, in the corner where the dragon blood, but you know, that's, that's sport. Let's go mess with them today. Um, but yeah, just to, like you said, um, explore like the, the beast man uh, portion of it, but just, just to be in charge as a lunar because hmm. lunars always kind of seem to fall on the back burner everything seems to be like solar dragon blood you know, let's talk a little bit about abyssals over here but lunars are right. one of those ones that just kind of you know it's like hey we're fighting people too you know so right. we don't like right. the dragon bloods right now either they're trying to kill us uh, but they they don't trust the solars that much either i mean these are the people that you know they they turned wicked i mean i know that you have the solar and lunar mates um but some of those lunars are really old and have a pretty good memory of what happened when these these solars went went wicked you know when they fell to the curse and turned into tyrants so are they so willing to you know jump back you know, in the fray with them as friends. Uh, I don't know. You could play it either way. Uh, but here is, this is like Lunar Island. You know, right now they are in control of the place. And, you know, what happens when a lunar goes through the pilgrimage? You know, yeah. are, are they going to leave that up to us? Because, I mean, I can think of some pretty cool I things know, know. Uh, that would happen yeah. to lunars if they went through the pilgrimage. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually drawing a blank. I'm not sure what I would do there. I would want it to be sufficiently cool, but at the same time, I mean, the dragon blooded one isn't like super duper cool. I mean, I get it that it has a like a story, a place in the story of the dragon bloods and whatnot, but 
as a particular character like if i was playing a dragon blood i don't know if i'd want to go on the pilgrimage you know like that, that having children and whatnot is a little outside of the scope of most games right like like thinking about the next generation or whatnot that's usually something you just write in backstory for people it's not something that you're usually trying to do like well my goal in this game is to meet a girl settle down have a kid make sure he exalts you know like it's just <laughs> that's not your normal adventure you know so uh but yeah so if if it, if the lunars have something just like absolutely mind-blowing incredible it kind of kind of makes the dragon bloods look bad yeah as a player it would be difficult to like I mean, I, I don't know if I'd want to go on a pilgrimage. I mean, first of all, it's very risky. If uh, you tick off your storyteller, he could just say, well, you remember when you started the pilgrimage? Yeah, your guy's dead. Make a new guy. <laughs> I'm tired of it. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, like you said, like, oh, uh, my kid's going to exalt. I mean, yeah, if I was like a real live dragon blood, that would be a big motivator to me. But as sure. a player and a character who I only play like a short snippet of his life, yeah, going on the pilgrimage to ensure that my family, unless I, my next character girl is going to be a son, you know, that would that would be right. a big thing. But uh, but you know, for like Charles's adventure idea, though, that's I cool. Mean, I mean, that's real cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's it's a very cool story. And you would just if you were going to tell that story, you would have to say, "All right, guys, this is the story we're going to do." And this needs to mean something to your character and you've been ordered to do it or whatever, you know, so give, give them a, a reason to do it. But I'm just, but the pilgrimage but like you and I are both saying, something yeah, that I don't know if I would explore. It's a little outside the scope of a normal adventure reward. Right. Like, yeah, your next kid's guaranteed to be exalted. Like, okay. I don't even have a girlfriend. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, would this maybe make more sense than if, um, and once again, you're going to have to, forgive my lack of knowledge of some of the lore but i know there are a series of main named houses but that doesn't mean there can't be another one that maybe right. used to be a main one but it's blood potency has well, basically they're, they're all, dropped um, off to zero descendants of the scarlet empress right but she has from time to time you know lifted some people up and made them houses in fact we had a um we had a character, uh, Jeff's character, in our uh, dragon-blooded game on our play-by-post forum, Unearthed, whose like main motivation in life was to <laughs> found a new house. And, oh yeah! Uh, unfortunately, he was male, and uh, all of the houses are typically female. Uh, they're matriarchal, so. I don't know if anybody ever told Jeff that, but he might have—he might have been SOL right from the beginning. <laughs> but now he's going to find out. Now that he's listening, he'll probably listen to this episode Sorry, and have something to say about that. Sorry, everything you did was for naught. But uh... <laughs> oh, I'm, right. I'm looking for a hot wife to rule over me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah. So lots of, lots of adventure ideas here. Uh, I'm sure that, that, uh, all of our listeners too are probably, you know, their minds are brimming with lots of different adventure ideas. And if you have any good ones, send them to us. We'd love to hear your particular adventure idea, uh, for the call. So if you've got one, send it in. We'd love to hear it. It's a, send it to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com or record yourself talking about it. We'll now, put that speaking on Speaking of lunars, Corey, we forgot to mention something. What's that? Oh yeah, the lunar, the lunar, his, 
his lunar magnificence or whatever <laughs> his name is how how does he go what's the uh what's the the title of this guy the his black his lion. divine right but he's got a he's got a oh yeah his divine lunar presence that's what it is Jeez. his divine lunar presence the black lion uh which as we all know is piloted by keith and then sometimes by oh, never mind you guys don't watch Voltron, oh, do you? Stinking Voltron, our <laughs> It's on the list. <laughs> oh, man. You guys got to watch Voltron, man. But um, anyway, yeah. So Black Lion. I'll tell you what I'll do. Let me just read to you a bit, a snippet from the snippet, a teaser from the teaser, uh, a leak from the leak, if you will, about the Black Lion here. <laughs> This is actually from the very last paragraph of the preview section about the call that we were given in the Kickstarter update. And it says this. Listen, listen to how this guy is described. His name is Sha'a Aka. I am probably murdering that. But hey, phonetically, it's Sha'a Aka. Okay. If you meant it for me, something else. I think else, that's right. That's different. how okay. I said it in my mind, at least. All right. We're, so we're when Sha'a no, we're not doing it. Actually, we, we technically already did, but here we go. <laughs> when Sha'a'aka begins to move, it's like nothing else in creation. For some days prior, there come great roars from the hills, yet no hawk folk can find their source. The rivers reverse their flow, drawing brackish water up their great lengths for a day before relaxing and letting it rush out to sea in a torrent. The whole of the call seems to quake with his passage, and then he and an army of lion folk rise to batter down the walls of the realm's fortresses. Many times some hero of the realm has claimed to have slain the black lion, but ever he rises again. Each time the call goes up, Sha'a'aka is dead, Sha'a'aka lives. And I'm sure so they don't awesome. do that call. I'm sure they don't call like that like five times fast because they would be messed up if they tried to do it five times fast. <laughs> but yeah, this is this is a really cool description. And you know, it, it starts with by saying that it's like nothing else in creation. And honestly, it, it it's true. It really is like nothing else in creation. Uh, I mean, what kind of lunar is this that has this power to like reverse the flow of rivers? His roars echo in the hills for days. This is some weird stuff. Now, when I read it for the first time, I got a little bit of a of an Aslan vibe from Chronicles of Narnia, uh, almost like a like a holy kind of a thing. Did you guys get that same sort of feel, or was that just me? I mean, I am a big Chronicles. I of Narnia saw it fan. when you pointed it out, but I wouldn't have really put those two together. I guess it's the it's the presence of the of the phrase on the move. Right, because if you if you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia books or movies or whatever, you know they always talk about Aslan is on the move. You know, I can oh, I can yeah. see right now, Mister uh, Mister Beaver saying that. You know, he's on the move or whatever, <laughs> and so and he's a lion, right? So a lion on the move, black lion on the move. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I just maybe that's the reason why it made that connection in my mind. But it's almost like the whole countryside is like under his command somehow, right? Like the island, the the nation itself, like obeys his command very similar to like an aslan situation you know what it strikes me as um i've seen a couple places in the book where it's like at essence six plus this guy sounds like an essence six plus guy right 
Right. And he's not, but you know, a lot of times when they talk about people, uh, you know, characters or whatever that are that high in essence, there are these that have been around for like 5,000 years, like Chejop Kajak and some of those, you know, Siderials and some of the old, old lunars. Well, was like, he here uh, on the island the entire time, even when it disappeared? I mean, yes, it says that he's been around for a thousand years. He's about a thousand years old, and he was here when it disappeared. He was here when it came back. But what I'm saying is, though, like a thousand years, yes, that's old, but it's not like the 5,000 years old of some people like, isn't like Mahasuchi or whatever. That's one of those big lunar, uh, big names. And I think she's been around for a really long time. But, I, you know, I don't really get into the whole like, in or, you know, uh, characters that are made by the publisher that are put into the, the books and whatnot. Characters. Well, not just iconic characters, but just like metaplot characters, I guess you'd call them, you know. Uh, I think Meta that's what iconic thing. means. Like ones that are, these are the official characters that we have made that are well, kind technically, of the background, right? Technically in the Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder world, the term iconic character came to mean the character that was associated with a certain class. That was like the example of that class. And they, they played a very interesting role in those uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder books because if your iconic sorcerer is this elf Maya Lee wasn't it Maya yeah Maya Lee in Dungeons and Dragons right and then in Pathfinder it's um oh I can't remember Ezra? her name no that's that, the, he's the iconic wizard yeah. yeah uh the sorcerer I forget her name but she's got the cool tattoos and the yeah. blonde oh, hair yeah, or whatever. yeah I know who you're talking about right so what they did was and I think this is actually a really good idea is every time they talked about a sorcerer they used the the female pronoun uh because the iconic sorcerer was female. And so it's a very easy way to know when, you know, cause it's always like a big challenge for, for people who are writing a game book. You know, how many times do you use the male pronoun? How many times do you use the female pronoun right. in, in decades past, almost everything was the male pronoun. And then nowadays it seems like we've kind of swung the pendulum too far the other way. And almost everything is the female pronoun looking at you exalted third edition. Uh, but this whole, you know, choosing like these iconic characters or whatever. And if you're talking about, you know, this character that, you know, like a Dawn cast or whatever, the Dawn cast iconic is male. And so every time we talk about a Dawn cast, we're going to use a male pronoun. I think that that actually makes a lot of sense and is a good way to kind of divide things up and keep it sane. Uh, because a lot of times I'm not even sure, you know, when you have like antecedent pronouns and nouns or whatever in a sentence when it's describing powers and it's like he, she, 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 he, and I'm just like, what are we even talking about anymore? Like, I get it. Like you want to be inclusive, but we've got to maintain clarity people. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I would say like meta plot characters is more what these are. Right. And meta plot was a big deal in like the old world of darkness where everything revolved around this big story that was being told as each source book came out and exalted first edition kind of had a, had a little bit of that going on with it. It was, it was like telling a big meta plot. And then uh, second edition had a little bit of that too. Third edition. It's, it feels a little bit more like they're, they're pulling back a little bit from that. Same as with new you world know, of darkness. Where like it's with new world of darkness. Open. Yeah. It's a lot more like, Hey, these stories are for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like not for us. They're for you. And so you write the big characters names, you write the big stories. And I actually appreciate that a lot more because, you know, putting somebody like putting a name of a character in the core rule book is one of the main, like, it's almost a guarantee that I, I'm not going to play with that place or that guy. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm going to write my own stuff. So, 
but I do like this black lion character. I think he's very cool. And, and like I said, gives me this weird, like holy vibe, like something beyond magic is going on here. Like an old, the old magic, like in Chronicles of Narnia, the stone table, the land, you know, Aslan sang creation into existence or sang Narnia into existence. So of course he's in control of it. So like, so it makes me just immediately wonder like, what what is the black lion's connection to this place and why is it so strong and why is he called the divine lunar presence or whatever you know there's there's a lot of interesting questions there in my mind more so than any of the other meta characters that i probably won't use this one i'm i'm interested in so yeah so some very interesting stuff there about the call about the black lion about all that stuff venture ideas shrine cities a lot of good things there uh, if you if you guys out there want to add anything to the discussion please do so we would love to hear that feedback. But right now, we're going to go ahead and get into our character seed for the week. And this week, it is Charles's turn. And I've been very excited to hear about this character. So, Charles, what have you got going on? Well, uh, I have another dragon blood because... Ooh, bonus. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, no, I just have dragon blood on the mind a lot lately because I'm trying to um, work in some stuff from... Well, I'm trying to work in some dragon bloods to present some kind of difficult, well, not difficult, but semi-challenging combat for uh, Bjorn, who is our Doncast Avenging Angel. And right. um, one of the other players, V, who is a Doncast monk priest, he actually had a dragon blood character that was a childhood friend and played real strongly into his background. And I, you know, as I was thinking of what kind of character to make and, you know, it started getting muddled with like thinking about how my weekly game is going forward. I thought, oh, you know what? I'll just make this guy that I can throw in my own game. Other people can use him because I think that his con his close connection with the solar is really compelling. Okay. So... The character of the week, the concept is Outcast General. Mm. And here's the seed. You are a brilliant military commander and the pride of your house. That is, until your childhood friend was discovered to be a solar exalt. You put the mm. entire town to the sword, but later learned your anathema friend escaped. Disgraced and exiled in your failure, you roam creation with your personal army of deserters, looking for the solar which ruined your life. Hmm. I like you. Yeah. Sounds like Zuko from, uh, Oh yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Airbender. Yeah. Last Airbender. <laughs> oh, uh, not that you would know anything about that. Chuck. <laughs> well, we know he didn't steal the idea because <laughs> he hasn't watched it. <laughs> um, but no, um, one of, one of, uh, well, V's background went that he, he exalted, and was well he went against the immaculate philosophy he started to question it and was branded a heretic and was burned at the stake um and exalted while he was being burned at the stake and it was all at the order of his friend this out well not then outcast general but this dragon blood military commander ah. had to give the order which caused him great distress but then he later learned um you know this background character differ differs a little bit from this character seed but you know then he learned that oh not only did his friend not die so 
now his friend is out there potentially with this resentment towards him which would be hard to deal with but right his friend became this demon this enemy of creation and his liege lord blames him kicks him out he has nothing to show for it but since he is such an accomplished military commander when he left there was a very large contingent of soldiers that said look we're with you and so he's kind of moving across the land hunting this solar down to finally you know not that it would bring him back into good graces he's too far beyond that but right just to get that closure that's cool i dig it i love the connection to your to your ongoing story too and uh, just being able to fill out more of that story that's awesome and something else that i'm doing with this character uh for this week not only is it a dragon blood um but i'm going to upload two versions to the website one is going to be per the regular character creation rules as an essence to dragon blood the other one is going to be more how i see this character coming into my own chronicle so he's going to be at essence three and so he's going to have a lot more you know more artifacts some more merits and that kind of stuff and it's going to much more closely represent this hulking mythic militant figure in my personal mythos that i am creating weekly right that's awesome man bonus again so yeah this will be cool so you know and it'll be good for anybody who wants to download this well once we get it up on fivepoles.com you can come download it for a starting character or you can download it for a character you know if you're if you're filling in in a group that everybody else is essence three and you're you don't have a character just download this one and use it that would be awesome or it will be a fully fleshed out npc to throw against your group either way exactly it's very versatile a lot of a lot of utility there well that's really cool well awesome well this week I checked the message machine already, and we didn't have any messages. No. Uh, so we need folks to send us in some some recordings of yourself. So do that and send it to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. We'll get you on the air. But we do have some listener feedback in the form of an email. And the email was rather long. And in fact, me and this fellow, we wrote back and forth to each other a couple of times about some of the things that were discussed on the show. But I, I picked out a paragraph from his first email that I thought was just really good and really goes along with the discussion that we got into last week about limit triggers and how to manage limit <laughs> at the table, especially if you are in the very, very not smart uh, position of having six players. <laughs> <laughs> just fire half of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So Rick, S, we'll call him, he sent in this email and he gave this awesome, awesome piece of advice that I thought everybody needed to hear. So he said, I think there's a way to do it that doesn't overly burden the storytellers or allow players to get away with letting triggers and intimacy violations go unnoticed. I'm taking a bit of the idea from Old Wraith the Oblivion and how they used shadows. Mainly, Josh has six players. So make them do the work, but not for themselves. Make each player responsible for considering another character's major and defining intimacies and limit triggers. So player one is responsible for keeping player two's character stuff in mind, player two for player three's, and so on. 
That's not too much more work for each person. While players may see their characters sitting at limit nine and thinking, uh-oh, if my character breaks here, we could be screwed. <laughs> so I suspect that they'll take great pleasure in pointing other characters' triggers out. So that might be a way to thread this particular needle. This so, is incredible. Yeah, I very love this good. so much that I'm going to implement it in my own game. <laughs> well, because it's it is literally not more work than what they're doing anyways because they're right. going to keep track of their own limit and their own intimacies so pawning it off to another player is just the same it it's the, the right. same amount of work yeah it just shifts responsibility yeah. would you yeah. give something like one solar experience point for a player who successfully did that job i mean how would you keep them how would you reward them for doing that that work would that well, think, would that be out of the question like one one experience point or no nah, you know I don't, I, that's almost like putting a bounty on it or something um i think that that probably what you're still going to need to do here is you're still going to need to have a discussion with the players trying to get them to understand just how much fun the idea of limit and breaking limit break is you know and so get them to really feel that own that and then also then passing the responsibility on so that so that you as a player who is watching you know the, the guy sitting next to you watching over his shoulder the fun is i can't wait to see this guy like go nuts or shut down or <laughs> or whatever right like whatever his, his or limit murder is murder the entire town <laughs> right like i just i want to see that so bad right and so like the reward is getting to the limit break itself like i think I mean, I just think it would be so awesome because you know, limit break doesn't have to be murder the whole town. It can be. I mean, you know, oh, there, no. there's lots it of different examples. It has to be bad, and it has to be permanent. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some really good, and you know, the uh, while the limit trigger is something that the player chooses, the actual limit break is something that the storyteller chooses in the moment. So right. Uh, so I think, you know, just getting people to understand, hey, guys, this is really fun. Get on board with this and help me out by watching over each other. I think it's great. I think it's really good. Thank you so much, Rick, yeah, it's for good that idea, feedback. Right? Yes, thanks. And uh, Rick also, he had some things to point out about our three-hour combat. And I, I was trying to explain <laughs> to him why it took three hours. But uh, believe well, me, Well, it buddy, was mostly because we, well, technical issues, and then we were looking up little rules and stuff like that right. along, along with not using a battery. Rick, you have never never <laughs> argued what the intent of a charm was with Corey before. <laughs> um, that is 45 minutes within itself. Even if well, you're that right. That took place outside of the three minutes. hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that actually did take place outside of the three hours. <laughs> uh, that was a good hour on its when own. When he has his mind made up how a charm is supposed to work, it is very difficult to convince him otherwise. Uh, well, I did see something in the But usually the he's core right. Book. I mean, he took the time to read it. And I, I, I was going to say, I like how I will, we're making it admit, uncomfortable I will on admit, here. 90% like of the time, was. it's because I was incorrect with the way I read the charm. But that 10%, you got to fight for. The, the one time you're right, you have to fight for that. <laughs> he's right. It almost never happens. So Hey. I, you guys did correct me on something uh, that last episode. I don't remember what it was, but I think Neil corrected me or something. You were like, "Oh, watch I, out. I corrected He's you gonna be on wrong. The, um, <laughs> the, dr the draw weapon. 
when he drew a oh, weapon, was that I was like, was? Uh, I hate to be hating oh, on another character, and but it, that's a minus yeah. three penalty. Because you remember that? And I think Charles Charles corrected me on um, on the fact that Solar Experience can't be used to purchase right. charms. Everything right. but charms. Yeah, right. You said butt charms. All right, guys. So yes, please, uh, please send us some more feedback. We love to hear hear from you guys. Love to hear your own gorgeous voices. So please send those in, and we'll get you up on the show. And I'm sorry I made it weird by calling it gorgeous right now. (laughs) So that pretty much wraps it. Oh, sorry. Before we head out, I also want to mention that the story told new podcast called the story told has just started up they're on itunes and they're a podcast that covers kind of a lot of different games but they started with their first three episodes dealing with exalted and they have some really great stuff there their third episode uh, I, I really enjoyed, not just because they mentioned us in it, although I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, they, in their third episode, they review the Arms of the Chosen, which I was a little jealous of because I was like, oh, yeah, I want to review it. the Arms of the Chosen. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but they did a really great job. They covered it in ways that we probably wouldn't, uh, even talking about the art and going through various pieces and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed listening to that. So thank you guys uh, for shouting out to us, and we would just return the favor. So go check out the story told wherever you get your podcasts. So that just about wraps it up for this week. So where can folks find more of your stuff? You can find me on the official Onyx path forums as lucky Chucky. I also run our Facebook page, the deliberative podcast, as well as our Twitter account at deliberative pod. I also right now infrequently stream Android Netrunner, which is a living card game, uh, which, <laughs> Is basically dead at this point, but uh, made by <laughs> Fantasy Flights. I'm still, I'm still grieving, uh, but I, I stream that on YouTube from time to time, and that channel name is System Outage. You can always find me at our website at fivepoles.com, or reach me directly at my email james.fivepoles at gmail.com. I go by the username Reform Ninja on the forums and Jay Wesley on the Deep Wild forum. And for all game-related things, including the Onyx Path official forums and the DeepWild.com website, I am NumaPilot. So if you have a question or issue that you would like to discuss on The Deliberative, please send your question to us at thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. That's one big long word, no spaces, no dashes, thedeliberativepodcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible, please send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment we love to hear it, love to put it on the show, love for other people to hear uh, other members of the community interact with these things. So please do that. Hey, guys, uh, if you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to leave us a review. Uh, that helps us out, pushes us up to the top, and helps other people find our podcast. Thank you very much for the guys who have left reviews. Thanks for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, Bye, See ya.